Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, June 15th, 2016, and I'm back on the mic to talk about some NBA Finals. I love me some NBA Finals. I know I talk about a lot of different sports on the podcast, football, baseball, hockey, you name it, but the NBA Finals are rocking and rolling right now, and I'm a big basketball fan, and I'm loving what's going on. This NBA Finals is loaded with drama. There's back and forth. There's Steph Curry. There's LeBron James. There's Draymond Green hitting people in the balls. It is on like Donkey Kong. And I'm back on the mic to de- debrief a little bit of what's going on. So tomorrow, we will have Game 6 in Cleveland. The series is currently three games to two with Golden State with the lead. Um, you know, uh, tempers and, and blood certainly got high when uh, Draymond Green was suspended for Game 5. So for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> Draymond Green had his second incident where he hit somebody in the balls. If you recall, in the uh, Western Conference Finals, um, he was going up for a shot and he sort of like flailed his legs out and like kicked his leg out and essentially kicked his leg out. And when he was kicking it out, it went right into Steven Adams' groin. It's, it's a little intense to watch because his leg has some serious force when he hits Steven Adams in the groin. And Steven Adams, you know, doubled over and was on the ground for a while as his junk was recovering. Um, so needless to say, Draymond Green was penalized for that. I believe he got a flagrant foul. Um, Game four of the NBA Finals, he had a little bit of a scuffle with LeBron James. They got tangled up. Draymond ends up falling on the ground. LeBron kind of steps over him. And when he's stepping over him, Draymond kind of reaches up and sort of like, you know, kind of very, you know, not obvious. It's a little, you got to really like watch the replay to see it. But he kind of flails his arms up. The same thing as Steven Adams. He flails his limbs out and he flails his arm up and he whacks LeBron in the nuts. And, you know, LeBron turns around starts giving him some words the refs didn't see this like this was all they didn't stop play they didn't call a foul they actually kept playing after this happened and they kept jawing and kept jawing yelling at each other it was only after play stopped because of a I think an out of bounds player there was a different foul where you could clearly see Draymond you know once once everything was done you clearly saw LeBron and Draymond going at it and talking and jawing and Draymond was really just letting LeBron go on and on Uh, I think what came out after that is apparently you know LeBron didn't specifically say it, Draymond didn't specifically say it, but the word on the street and what kind of came out in some of the references that they were saying is that apparently Draymond Green called LeBron James a bitch. That's pretty much what they're saying. He says they called him a bitch and LeBron didn't appreciate it. And then, you know, the Warriors are sort of like, dude, this is basketball, you know, take it easy. You know, it's like, what, you got too thin skin, you can't deal with somebody talking trash or calling you a bitch. I mean, listen, it's not cool, but this is the NBA Finals, all right? This is... This is where this stuff happens. They get up in each other's face. It's a big deal. Um, So the reason I'm telling about this story about Draymond Green hitting people in the balls is because after the game was over, the league office reviews the play, and they determine that it is a flagrant one. Now, with the point system and the suspensions that come in, the NBA has a particular system where if you get a certain number of technicals, you're automatically suspended for a game. Likewise, if you get a certain number of flagrant fouls, you're automatically suspended for a game. With this flagrant foul of Draymond Green hitting LeBron in the balls, Draymond is officially suspended for Game 5. So Game 5, back in Golden State, 
when the Warriors had an opportunity to actually close out the series and win the championship on their home floor, they're doing it without Draymond Green. And because he's suspended, he can't even be in the arena. Um, I ended up looking on Twitter, and I find out that um, Draymond was actually at the Oakland A's game across the street from the arena with uh, the general manager of the of the Golden State Warriors and Marshawn Lynch, uh, former uh, Super Bowl-winning running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Apparently, they were all... Because the Oakland A's and the uh, Golden State Warriors, they all... You know, it's a big sports complex in Oakland. It's all... They all share the same parking lot. So... Draymond was certainly close by because, listen, if Golden State had actually won game five, he would have had to come back over and celebrate because he would have wanted to, you know, carry the trophy. And, you know, what, you think he's not going to be there when they win the championship? Come on, man. Uh, So game five was a little interesting. Now, after this exciting, brilliant display of offense uh, from LeBron James in Game 3 when Cleveland storms back and essentially says, not in our house, and they win Game 3 in very convincing fashion. Then you have Game 4 in Cleveland. This one's a real tight matchup, and it was tight, but Golden State really edged them out. You know, there was a, a lot of, uh, you know, Kevin Love played fairly well, but you did see him as a problem when he came back on the floor. You saw increased minutes from Richard Jefferson in Game 4. I believe Richard Jefferson also started with Kevin Love coming off the bench because you have to understand he missed Game 3 with that concussion. Um, however, bringing... I'm still... I have such an issue with Kevin Love in this game because, you know, Game 4... I don't know... Kevin Love is really becoming a liability on the offensive end and in, and in addition to being a liability on the defensive end. So... It wasn't a surprise to me whatsoever that you saw an awful lot of Richard Jefferson in Game 4, um, but it didn't matter. You saw you know, there was some offensive explosion from Golden State. They clamped down on the defense, and it really just kind of brought you back down to earth and reminded everybody they are the champs. And though Game 3 was pretty exciting to watch, and I think that you know, you get back on your home floor, you get your home crowd cheering behind you, but it just it didn't work out, you know. They got a strong enough lead uh, over Cleveland. You know, LeBron was an offensive explosion in Game 3. And, you know, they just ran away with the game. And then by fourth quarter, you're benching everybody and just saying, all right, we're conceding this game, let's move on. Game 4, when they're still in Cleveland, that was where I really saw Golden State was like, you know what, you guys are good, but you're not nearly as good as us. It looked like they kind of gained their composure. They came back. It was a tight game, but in the end, you know, when it really, really mattered, when the when the when the when everything came down to brass tacks at the end of the game, I mean, I believe in Game Four, it was like I think I want to say Golden State was winning by two at the half. By the end of the third quarter, man, you know, they had a pretty big lead, and then they go up by double digits in the fourth quarter, and the game's over, and it really. The end of the game, Golden State is making some serious defensive stops. They're forcing Kevin Love became completely, you know, forgettable. He was a ghost on the floor. All of this brilliant offense that Kyrie Irving was trying to do, uh, in which he did in Game Three, couldn't be replicated in Game Four. It turned into ISO hero ball. All of a sudden, instead of having great ball movement, you've got Kyrie Irving trying to just do everything by himself. It was Uncle Drew, man. He's doing, he's going isolation. He's holding the ball for most of the shot clock, and then he's taking a jumper over Steph Curry. And you know, Steph Curry's defense is. It's not brilliant, but it was it was good enough to sort of get in Kyrie Irving's way. And then you you know you have Kyrie. He's not in his flow. He's not in his offense. He's missing shots. Draymond Green is blocking shots. And Iguodala, man, Iguodala, Iguodala is playing some fantastic defense in this series. He is really, really stepping it up. 
And then, of course, the Splash Brothers, they're shooting the lights out. In Game 4, it was like they just came back on the scene and were just like, who do you think you're dealing with here? I mean, you know, their offense comes out. They're just shooting lights out. They go and start playing some small ball. You think that maybe there's going to be some some strong post presence from Cleveland because they've got some of that size on Golden State, but it just it didn't come to fruition in Game 4. Now, I still haven't even gotten to the biggest story of my podcast so far, which is Game 5. Game 5 in Oakland, Draymond Green is not playing. Now, this was a game which was much more tightly matched because you're missing Draymond Green. You're missing the anchor of his defense. You're missing his tenacity. You're missing his, his, his volume. I mean, this guy is loud. He talks trash. He gets up and, you know, there was a clip that I saw where it showed all of them on the bench during a timeout. And my wife, Campbell, looks at me and she sees Draymond Green. And on one side, he's got Clay Thompson. And the other side, he's got Steph Curry. Clay and Steph are just sitting there not saying anything. Draymond Green is screaming and shouting at the rest of the guys in the huddle. He is fired up. He's yelling. He's calling out stuff. He is like you. It, and I looked at my wife. I said, that's who he is. All right. The Splash Brothers can score all they want. Draymond Green is the guy who's talking trash. That's the guy who's getting everybody riled up. When they need somebody to get in your face, that's the guy who does that job. That's why he's valuable to the team. It's not just his play on the court. It's his it's his, you know, personality off the court. He's the guy who will take a chair and throw it across the locker room and say, We ain't taking this shit. Get out there and play harder. So when you were when the Warriors are lacking that in game five. You really saw Cleveland come out guns blazing. Now, their backs were up against the wall. This is a do-or-die elimination game. LeBron James came out and pulled a LeBron James. He started playing like Michael Jordan. Um, the thing that helped him, LeBron James ends up finishing with 41 points in the game. Fantastic performance, especially with a game where it was tied at the half. Again, this was another game that was suspiciously closer than we thought it would be. Um no Channing Fry in this game. There was a lot more Shumpert in this game. There was a lot more Tristan Thompson. You know, defense, really trying to play that defense and that offensive glass um, and letting LeBron attack. I mean, he was in attack, attack, attack mode. Um, scoring offensively, passing the ball. And what also helped him is just as he is scoring and he's getting in attack mode and being offensive and kind of putting uh, Golden State on their heels from a defensive standpoint, Kyrie Irving got hot. Kyrie Irving also scored 41 points. This was official the first time in NBA Finals history that two players scored 40 points on the same team in a single game. It had happened one time before there were, uh, oh no, it was uh, game one of the NBA Finals 2001, Sixers-Lakers. Iverson scored over 40 points and shot over 40 points. Never had it been done by two players on the same team. Well, LeBron and Kyrie did that, and they were breath. I mean, Kyrie looked amazing in this game. He was doing shake and bakes, crossovers, around the curl, hitting amazing shots. And that's the other thing is, he, you know, they were contesting his shots. They played some decent defense on Kyrie, but he was just making these buckets, these beautiful shots. Like, it was just, you know, it's one of those things. Like, when you see Clay or you see Steph Curry, just they can't miss – that was one of those things with Kyrie Irving. He just couldn't miss. I mean, he was really playing out of his mind. He was really uh, took advantage of Steph Curry on the defensive end. I, Steph Curry, you know, I don't think he's going to be known for his defensive prowess. You know, he's got defensive ability, but it's nothing 
I don't think it's anything brilliant. I actually think Clay Thompson's a little bit better of a defender. And, you know, on top of that, he's got some size. Uh, so Kyrie really was just allowed to go off, do whatever he wanted to do, and he started killing them in the second half. Now, a couple other things I need to mention about this Game 5 that also stuck out are the fact uh, that Golden State really had defensive issues. And I'm going to tell you exactly where I think they came in. Number one, they were already sort of trying to make things work without Draymond Green on the floor. They had to, you know, rotate in more Harrison Barnes. You started to see other guys who don't normally get minutes, like James Michael McAdoo was on the floor a lot more than he normally is. Um, Mo Spates was on the floor. Sean Livingston was on the floor. You know, those guys are in the rotation, but they got more minutes because they had to compensate for the lack of defense with no Draymond. Um, there was one point where James Michael McAdoo was the biggest guy on the floor for Golden State, and as soon as I saw that happen, LeBron just went right to the hoop and there was barely any defense. Like, they didn't even stop the ball at all. They were just like, let's just let him go and dunk and just move on. Um, and the uh, So my point, the big reason I wanted to uh, highlight this is because Bogut. Andrew Bogut played great minutes. Great, great, great minutes in Game 5. However, he got hurt. He got hurt in the beginning of the third quarter. It was a little bit of a freak situation, but he he went up for a rebound. J.R. Smith comes up for the rebound, and pretty much J.R. Smith fell into the front of his knee, and his leg was fully extended. His knee, it didn't bend the wrong way, but it got pushed. kind of got pushed the wrong way and was just hyperextended a little bit the wrong way. Bogut goes down. He's walking very gingerly on his knee. There was some discussion about how he may come back into the game. I doubt it. He's a big man who's had injury history history, uh, in the past. He's definitely dealt with knee and ankle issues before. It's hard for a big man to come back from a knee issue. Especially, it didn't look ugly, but it definitely looked bad. And he was in pain. Um, He did not return for the game. News has come out today that he's done for the playoffs. I mean, granted, there's only two more games left. It's game six and maybe game seven if Golden State doesn't close it out tomorrow night. Um, But they've officially ruled Andrew Bogut out. He's not going to need surgery, thankfully, but he is done for the playoffs. He's not going to be playing anymore. My point is that as soon as he left the game, as soon as Bogut got knocked out, this game completely turned because it went from an evenly matched game to Cleveland running away with it. Uh, as soon as he left the game, Cle- you know, Cleveland had no problem getting to the hoop. Uh, the Golden State Warriors small ball lineup was considerably ineffective. As I said, that's when I saw James Michael McAdoo on the floor. Uh, you know, and it was really, really painful. You really saw from a defensive standpoint, Golden State did not have an answer for Tristan Thompson. They didn't have an answer for, you know, the attacking, punishing LeBron James. And then, you know, add in the fact that Kyrie Irving is just shooting lights out and hitting shots from all over the floor. I mean, you're a little bit of dead on arrival in a situation like that. So in that second half, when Bogut went down and left the game, that was when Cleveland really took over and were like, you know what, we're doing this. We're, we're, we're running away with it. You can't stop us. The other thing I want to mention is Kevin Love. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Oh, Kevin Love. Poor guy. This guy is just, I mean, he can't seem to fit in anywhere. I, wanna, I really want to root for him, but I watched Game 5, okay? And in Game 5, in the fourth quarter, and even in, in the entire second half, Kevin Love was forgettable. I mean, he was just a 
spot-up corner three shooter. Every time they came back down the floor from an offensive standpoint, he just sat in the corner and waited. There were a few times where I was sitting there going, you know, why is he even in in the fourth quarter? From a defensive standpoint, he looks out of sorts. So, you know, when you got fourth quarter and Golden State's trying to crunch the lead, they really start to find Kevin Love and say, all right, let's do a pick and roll with him. Let's try to switch it up with him. Let's, let's attack him. We know he's a defensive liability. From the offensive end, he, he looked like he didn't want the ball. I mean, every time they passed him the ball, he was essentially trying to get it. He was trying to get rid of it. I mean, I can, from, from the fact that Kyrie Irving and LeBron James were, had both scored over 40 points, I mean, you can understand if all the other teammates want to give it to them. But I'm, I mean, Kevin Love just looked inappropriate. He looked like he didn't want the ball. He looked like Chris Webber at the end of those games in 2002 playoffs. Whenever the, the big shot was on the line, Mike Bibby wanted the ball. Whenever the biggest shot was on the line to win the game, Chris Webber didn't want it. He was the star of the team, but he didn't want the ball. They'd always give it to Mike Bibby. Same situation. Kevin Love did not want the ball. He essentially was doing whatever. They're coming up the court. He's not even looking at the ball. He's not even thinking about getting it. He sets a pick. He goes to the corner. Or he just sits in the corner. And inevitably, I had a moment where I was like, why is he still in the game? Why don't you put out somebody with some more defensive ability? I mean... Give me Richard Jefferson. Give me, uh, give me, I mean, friggin' give me Timothy Mozgov, anybody else to put out there. You know, just as I'm thinking this, like as I'm sitting there, you know, ruminating on this idea in my head, I pretty much end up seeing uh, they, they pulled Kevin Love out of the game and they put Richard Jefferson on the floor. It was, it was kind of amazing. It was like right as I'm sitting there thinking of it, Kevin Love sits down for the game. And also at that point, uh, I think Golden State had built enough of a lead that they started to feel confident that they could bench him. They didn't really need his offensive ability anymore. Kyrie and LeBron were clearly getting whatever they wanted. Um, something else I think I want to mention, which kind of came out uh, and had really has been coming out over the course of the series, which I think is a good talking point, is how LeBron and Steph Curry are not really rivals. There was a really good article on The Ringer, Bill Simmons' site, about this, really discussing this idea of how, you know, these are the two superstars of the team. You know, the biggest name on the Warriors is Steph Curry. The biggest name on the Cavaliers is LeBron James. But these two don't go head-to-head during the game. They don't get in each other's face all that much. Occasionally they do. They've been doing some jawing. Um, But for the most part, you know, Draymond Green's the one who's fighting the battle with LeBron James. Draymond Green's the one who's getting up in his face. I mean, heck, he got suspended for Game 5, if that that tells you anything. Uh, So, But I don't see Steph Curry... I mean, I got to tell you, right now, he hasn't been shining. Again, and I said this before, he is not the MVP of these finals. He is not. I do not want to give it to him, even if they win the finals. I mean, I'm probably going to give it to Draymond Green or Klay Thompson before I'm going to give it to Steph Curry. And I don't want to say that he's been, you know, he hasn't shown up. Listen, he has shown up. He does score. He is a scoring machine. Um, But there's a really a sense that, like, Golden State is so much more of a team that you you can afford to have multiple games in this NBA Finals where Steph Curry is 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 a non-factor. You know, game one he was a non-factor, and now granted, Golden State's entire bench mopped up the Cleveland Cavaliers because Golden State is I'm gonna I'm just gonna put it right out there they're a much better team than Cleveland, and they didn't need Steph Curry. But in game three, where you need Steph Curry to maybe step up and make an impression, he didn't step up in game three either. I mean, they got rolled over and blown out by 30 points. That's not cool. That's not okay. Um, And it really kind of gives me this feeling like LeBron is still the best 
player, all-around player on the court. You know, all these Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, these other guys. You know, they all ha- they all bring something to the to the table or to the court for that matter. But LeBron is still the best player out there. He, you know, when he wants to turn it on and score forty points. He turns it on and scores 40 points. Now, if that equates to a win, if it equates to everybody else on his team benefiting from that, that's that's amazing. But sometimes it means LeBron's the only one being amazing and everybody else is just, you know, missing shots around him. Uh, But these two guys, it's not a comparison. Two different games, two different approaches. Um, But again, Steph Curry kind of disappearing in the NBA Finals when you really need him. You know, when you really need him to step up, play some better defense, hit some shots, I mean, in some ways, other guys are doing that. I mean, I can't really knock that. I mean, that's that's what's happening. But, you know, again, you, you can't give him a Finals MVP. You can't, you cannot give Steph Curry Finals MVP. You got to start talking about Draymond Green or Klay Thompson, or maybe we're talking about Iguodala again. Maybe we're talking about Iguodala all over again. You know, he's been playing amazing defense. He's still playing amazing defense. And in game three, when they got blown out by 30, he was one of the only people playing offense, too. He was actually hitting his shots. Um, another thing to mention from game five Channing Fry. No Channing Fry. Uh, he did not get on the floor. Um, I guess they didn't need any offense from him. Uh, they didn't need to stretch the floor that much. It seems like LeBron and Kyrie were already doing all of that um, by themselves. And uh, Channing Frye's minutes are kind of you know intertwined with Kevin Love's minutes. I think they gave more focus to Kevin Love and let him play more on the floor than Channing Frye. Uh, same thing with Della Vadova. Della Vadova was not featured as much in Game 5. Uh, he came out, I think he got some quick fouls. Um, you know, they didn't truly, they just they didn't need him that much. And this is the finals. You know, if someone's hot and they're playing well, leave them on the floor. And Kyrie was just so hot, it was like you can't take them off the floor for anything. They were playing out of their minds. Um, Draymond coming back in game six. Okay. It's going to be in Cleveland. Um, my, initial, my original pick even before the playoffs. Now, granted, I changed my pick when I thought Oklahoma City was going to beat Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. But my original pick is Golden State in six games over Cleveland. We could still, I think we're still going to see that tomorrow night. I think Golden State is hungry. I think when they get Draymond Green back, they're a different team. Uh, and I think they're going to get right back out there. And um, the magic that LeBron and Kyrie were able to whip up in game five will not be as easy to put together when you've got Draymond on the court. Okay, I think Golden State is going to come out guns blazing. I don't think that Clay and Steph are going to have terrible shooting nights. I think one of them is going to pop off, at least pop off enough to get the offense to uh, to squash Cleveland. Um, I think that Kyrie is going to miss shots. I think that LeBron will be amazing, as he always is. If anything, LeBron might score 40 points, but I don't see Kyrie scoring 40 points. I don't see an offensive explosion from Kevin Love. I don't think he has it in him. Uh, You know, I've officially confirmed, I don't think Kevin Love has got any swagger at all. It's really disappointing, but I I just don't see it. He doesn't doesn't go out there and impose his will, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't throw his weight around. And until he does, I'm not impressed. Um, And, you know... I think it's going to be a game four. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be close, but it's going to be in Cleveland, and Golden State's going to pull it out. In the end, when when everything when it really counts, when they're getting down to the wire, Golden State will find a way to win. They'll get those defensive stops in the fourth quarter that they need, and you know Cleveland is not really going to have an answer. And that's something that has been the story for the entire series. And you know whenever they kind of really need to step up. 
they just don't have an answer. I think Teron Lou occasionally gets out coached. He's a little fresh. You know, I think he's doing a nice job, probably a little bit of a better job than David Blatt, but still getting out coached. Steve Kerr is good at what he does, and the Warriors are just they're just a better team. You know, they're they're better defensively, they're they're faster, they shoot better. I mean, they've got better team chemistry and ball movement. I mean, Cleveland, we can't forget how out of sorts Cleveland looks trying to defend Golden State. In every single game that they have lost this series, games one, two, and four, they just look so out of sorts trying to defend Golden State. They miss switches. They they get confused on who's covering who. They don't get around the pick quick enough. I mean, they just look confused. And, I mean, they look like a team that's just on a different on a different level than Golden State. Golden State is at the top of the is at the top of the mountain and Cleveland just looks like they're they're not in the same league sometimes with Golden State. And if Kyrie is not hitting his shots, if Kevin Love is ineffective and you know the Channing Fry is not hitting anything and from a defensive standpoint Cleveland can't lock it down and be, you know, be aggressive, I see Golden State taking over in Cleveland. You know, the only thing I see going for Cleveland right now is the fact that Bo gets out. Because now you're going to have to see more Draymond Green. You're going to have to see more Festus Azili, much more Festus Azili, more Harrison Barnes. And, you know, those guys, uh, you know, they don't have some of the same skills as Bogut. They don't have the same passing ability. Uh, they don't have the, you know, the same uh, offensive rebounding ability. I mean, Festus Azili is pretty good, but Bogut's, Bogut, uh, Bogut brings a lot to the table. Even though he does play those limited minutes, he kind of sets that initial tone. And um, it just means more burden is going to be on um, Festus Azili and playing the small ball, playing that death lineup like they like to say with uh, the Splash Brothers, Draymond, Harrison Barnes, and Iguodala. You know, it's going to be more of that. And those are moments when Cleveland can take advantage. When, when, they, when Golden State comes out with the death lineup, Cleveland has opportunities to take advantage on the offensive glass with Tristan Thompson. And you know, maybe Teron Liu will will bring Timothy Mozgov back out. Game three, they, he brought Mozgov out in the first quarter, and it kind of, you know, just a couple of minutes, but it was enough to sort of help them get that energy to build a strong enough lead to get things going. And Mozgov brings size, he brings blocking, he brings rebound, he brings uh, rebounding, which can become a problem if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are shooting lights out. But if they're not, and Cleveland's playing good defense that's where you can really see Cleveland actually stay in the game. Um, and that's where I see, you know, Golden State sort of missing Andrew Bogut. However, all of that being said, I still think Golden State's going to win the game. I still th- I think Draymond is hungry for blood. Uh, I think they're so close to winning it. No one's come back from being down three games to one. As amazing as LeBron James is, I don't think his entire team is that amazing. I think he could do it if he was still on the heat, but... Not with this Cleveland team. I think they really, you know, after all this is said and done, I think they got to move on from Kevin Love and find somebody else to fit into this trio. Um, so I think Golden State's going to come back out with uh, Draymond, and you know they're just going to rip them apart. Even though it'll be in Cleveland, I, I see Golden State edging this game out for the win. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts on the uh, on the NBA Finals Game Six. If we're hey, if we're really lucky, maybe we'll have a Game Seven in Golden State. That could be a lot of fun. Um, as always, thank you very much for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. Email me with any feedback or questions you might have at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy. Um, also, 
Like my Facebook page. Go on Facebook. It's Sam Sports Station. It's a page. Like it. I got some great news on there. I really need to gain more followers. I really am trying to build my presence. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Smithface Jones. It's a it's a little joke between me and my brother. He used to call me that when I was growing up. Um, you can find me under Sam Rosenberg on Twitter. Uh, as always, I'm on SoundCloud. I'm sure that's probably where you've been finding my stuff. Um, but I'm going to sign off for today. As always, thank you for listening. I'll be back soon. Talk some more basketball. Also, talk. To, uh, we'll be going to, back into some football. Training camp is setting in. I'm going to bring on some more guests, talk about some additional teams, uh, maybe talk a little bit about Fletcher Cox and this $100 million deal he just signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but that's it. That's all I have for today. As always, thank you for listening. I love you so much for listening. I really appreciate the support. Uh, support. Bleh, really appreciate the support, and I will talk to you soon. Enjoy Game 6. Bye-bye.